On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about church growth. We hear a lot about that, Jacob, and there's there's even people who specialize, they tell us, in consulting, consulting with churches on how to grow. Of course, they're all talking about numeric growth, and we're all interested in that. But what does the Bible really say about true church growth? We're going to talk about that, and we hope you'll stay with us. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 3rd, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Monty is behind the controls tonight. Monty, thanks for being here. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate and the opportunity. And thank you for being on the other end of the line tonight. We look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com or sign in the chat room with other listeners tonight to share your comments with listeners from literally around the world. And we look forward to the discussion with you tonight. If you have a, got a, haven't gotten a bumper sticker yet, there's still a few of those around. We're still getting a few requests for those. we got Good. some left. We'd be glad to get you one. You can help us advertise the virtual Bible study. You can also do some other things that might help us. Uh, I'm not... I'm really not a Facebook person. I'm not up on Facebook, and I don't know all the ins and outs about how it works, but I understand that you can do something on Facebook to like us or share us that might give others information about our program, and they might tune in. Uh, I wouldn't, I, and, and if you're one who is, is inclined to do that, don't limit that just to people you, you know who are already Christians, but maybe some of your friends who are not Christians. Uh, uh, put them on to us at the Virtual Bible Study on Facebook. And, uh, and and of course, you can access our, our live feed on Thursday nights through the, the Facebook. Uh, in fact, I did not through do that yet. Through the Facebook. You are not up on Facebook. I'm not. I have, the I, the I need Facebook. That, yeah. I need to put that okay. link uh, on there right now All right. for our program tonight. All right. Um, so we're going to talk tonight about church growth, uh, certainly something that we're all interested in. Uh, and how do we go about it? Do we need to hire a consultant to tell us how to do it? Well, well the, the, you know, if you go on if you go on the internet, just put in a search for church growth. You'll find all kinds of information about that. People who, and again, some people sort of represent themselves as specialists in the field, and they'll tell you what you ought to do. Just uh, uh, a minute. I wonder if that uh, that consulting includes a lot of Bible study, uh, a lot of uh, looking to the scriptures for the keys to that growth, or if that is uh, more along the lines of human wisdom. My, my guess is it's probably the latter. Yeah. Uh, so, well, you know, in reality, we all want to see the church grow. And usually when we talk about church growth, we're talking about numbers. We want, right. we want to see more numbers because in in reality – Numbers represent. If, if we get more numbers, that typically represents lost souls that are being saved. Uh, it also involves faithful brethren who joining in to help get good things accomplished for the Lord. And so, numbers are a good thing, and we and we're interested in seeing more numbers for 
legitimate reasons. But there's also a potential downside to that that we have to be aware of. Some of the most very most liberal denominations uh, in in our world are growing pretty rapidly. We talk about some of these mega churches, uh, and and they're growing really fast. Uh, but they've left off all notion of Bible authority. They don't have any inclination at all toward Bible authority. Uh, they basically do anything to draw a crowd. And so they're heavily involved in social clubs and entertainment events and, uh, and a real watered-down doctrine that they teach that's not offensive to anybody. Uh, so you put that under the Bible authority umbrella as well. They're not interested in Bible authority in their corporate work and worship. They're not interested in Bible authority in their personal lives. They're not teaching the whole gospel of Christ. They're leaving off the things that would be offensive, teaching the things that would just be deemed as feel good or popular. Yeah. And so there is no real concern for Bible authority in either aspect there. And so what we're saying is increasing numbers may or may not be a positive sign that we're doing and being everything that God wants us to be. And, 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 I think we should point out that an emphasis exclusively on numbers is a mistake. Because if we're emphasizing exclusively an increase in numbers, then we are almost certain to do things in compromising the truth that we should not be doing. 877-381-4567. Look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. So um, I guess what I would say, Jacob, is that church growth has two potential aspects. One, the most obvious one, is numbers increased numbers growth in numbers bigger crowds more people coming to the worship services and so forth it's interesting i think that as we study the new testament there's never a command for that right we are not commanded to grow numerically uh if if there is such a place and if any of our listeners know of such a place i'd be interested in them sharing that with us we're instructed to teach go into all the world and teach the gospel to every creature uh, the great commission but nowhere are we expected to produce a certain number of converts. And uh, we should be careful even to specify that we're trying to convert X number of people this year. Uh, we want 20 baptisms this year here at college. No, that'd be a big mistake. It's, it's, it's ironic. There are a lot of, you see a lot of uh, churches that are, they, they're publicizing that. They set their goals for the year and they actually specify a number of converts that they expect to make they do and it's it's dangerous because it's uh you're talking about things there that you can't control uh but it's also contrary to what god even instructed as far as setting a quota or something like that because paul was sent as you remember uh, not to baptize, but to preach. So God didn't even put a quote on Paul, and Paul certainly had lots of more tools at his disposal than we do yeah. that to, to accomplish that. And yet Paul was sent, you just go preach the gospel, and what happens, happens. Exactly right. Uh, the other aspect of church growth, the obvious one is numbers, and that has some potential real issues with it. Not, it's not commanded. We shouldn't make it a priority. Uh, well, but... Gro- gro- we, numbers is, growing numbers is something we want to do. Sure, and but it shouldn't be prioritized in the sense of setting qu- quotas and so forth. Right. The other aspect of church growth is spiritual growth, and we are commanded to do that. In Second Peter 3, verse 18, we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're commanded to grow spiritually, 
and, I, uh, and and so that's that's something that we really need to target. That that should be a priority. So would it be fair to say that a church, a a, a truly growing church, might be diminishing in numbers? In other words, if we're emphasizing spiritual things and we're trying to be the church that God wants us to be and therefore we don't tolerate error and we defend the truth and we won't water down the gospel, would it be possible to say you could be a growing church and actually diminishing in physical numbers, Monty? You know, in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul was talking about a man that was a member of the church there in Corinth uh, that was living in sin with his father's wife. And he was the congregation there was told that they needed to withdraw from that man. They need to put him out from among them. And so, and he he lists several purposes for that. One is to be obedient to God. Another is to save that man's soul. And third, it was to keep the church pure. So, and in really and truly, it was a test to see if they was going to be obedient to God. So, if the church is being maintained in its purity and being obedient to God spiritually, they were growing, even though by for withdrawing from that man and putting him away from them, as, as it says there, they kind of shrunk in numbers by at least that man, and I assume the woman that he was living with maybe was there too. Yeah, yeah. and so they actually went down in numbers to be right with God. I yeah. can think of another episode, the uh, same thing, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. The church in Jerusalem was growing rapidly, but in Acts chapter 5 they actually went down a little, not a lot, but a little in order to, be, to stay pure and be right. Uh, of course, in that case, God himself administered the discipline on Ananias and Sapphira. So uh, you could, I think it's a fair statement that a, that a church a, a church that's growing in God's estimation might be actually losing numbers. We don't want that. That's not what we're not doing that purposefully, but sometimes it might be unavoidable. First Corinthians eleven nineteen. For there must also be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So there's the idea of. There may be some folks who leave yeah. because they don't like the gospel that's being taught. And so, I, again, I think I would emphasize we want to see numeric growth. I think everybody does, and there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that that represents lost souls being saved and faithful brethren joining together in effective work. But we should not make it our emphasis. Uh, that, that should not be our priority. I think we just let that take its own course uh, let, let the numbers do what the numbers will do. Hopefully it's going up. It, sometimes it might be going down. We're just trying to do what we're supposed to be doing. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. So if we're going to grow spiritually, how does that work? All right. So uh, we didn't get to this, Jacob. Let me talk about the update that we sent out earlier today. Um, earlier today, as we always do on Thursday, we try to send out an update talking about our topic for discussion. Uh, and our topic was announced as things that contribute to church growth. And I ask uh, this question, comment on these factors that seem essential to real church growth. Faithful teaching, steadfast prayer, a true spiritual emphasis, perseverance in persecution, liberal giving, purity in living, and then anything else that you think needs to be added to that list. But I've got... At least six things there that I think are essential that we need if we're really going to be a growing church as God wants us to grow. Then, the book of Acts, one place in the, in the New Testament that does talk about numbers is the book of Acts. And there are a number of references in the book of Acts to the early church growing in numbers. And I thought it would be interesting to go to those places in the book of Acts where it mentions increasing numbers and see what the things... 
both in the context, the verses just before and after the statements about numbers, what do those what do those passages suggest were contributing the things that were contributing to the church growth in the first century? All right, so you've listed some things here, some factors that are essential, and the first you've got there is faithful teaching. Yeah. Um, so how how are we gonna how are we gonna do this? Are we going to lower the standards? We're going to lower the bar. In other words, we're not going to teach the the whole counsel of God because some of that might be offensive to certain individuals, and so we're just going to we're going to purposefully avoid controversial subjects and water down the gospel uh, so that we can attract numbers. Um, how would that work? For instance, uh, for an academic institution, here's a university. They want to get more students in. And so what they're going to do is they're going to lower the entrance standards and they're going to lower the test score requirements for graduation. They're going to make it easier on the number of credit hours that you have to get to graduate so that they can get a bigger enrollment. How would that work? Well, it might work initially they do get more numbers, but you know what's going to happen? They're going to lose their academic accreditation, and they're ultimately going to go out of business if they would, it, it, you know, so here's a university that's trying to follow that course of action. That wouldn't work for an academic institution, and I, I would suggest that it doesn't work with the church either. Uh, certainly. Here's what Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, has to say about it. Faithful teaching, the only true type of preaching and teaching is the gospel. Such promotes both gospel obedience and faithful living. The preaching and teaching of a per- uh, perverted gospel brings condemnation. Uh, I think he's exactly right. Uh, the Lord assigned to the church to be the pillar and ground of the truth, First Peter, or First Timothy 3.15. First Timothy 3.15 speaks of the church as the pillar and the ground of the church. And so the church is to uphold the truth. This is a part of God's eternal plan. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says that, the, that by the church might be known the manifold wisdom of God uh, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's the church's job to uphold the truth. Uh, and and therefore, we we would be seriously missing our assignment, our assigned purpose, if we were to not faithfully teach all the counsel of God. Uh, I've used that expression a couple times, and it actually comes from Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul said, um, I have not, uh, let's see, let me get to the right verse, Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 15. uh, 27. 27 is what I want. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Yeah. Uh, verse 20 says, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you. Verse 26, I take you to record today that I'm pure from the blood of all men. So if Paul is going to hold, not holding back things that are profitable, he's going to be free from the blood of all men. In other words, he's not going to be liable when they don't know what God wants from them because he's preached the whole gospel, the whole counsel of God. Why would we think that it would be a good idea for us to shun or pull back or withhold preaching on certain topics because, oh, that might be controversial? And people might not come. They might not like that. Yeah, I even heard of a preacher, uh, some of our listeners, uh, 
I'm sure some of the people who are listening tonight will know the person that I am referring to, but it was suggested to him uh, that maybe we need some teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Oh, no, that's too controversial. And the idea was people would be turned away if that was emphasized in the teaching and preaching of the church. Huge mistake. Uh, but if we're going to grow the way God wants us to grow, not not by some faulty notion of, of our human wisdom, what will attract people, we've got to teach, we've got to faithfully teach all of the Word of God. Romans one sixteen. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, Paul wasn't ashamed just of the part of the gospel that people liked, like God loved the world, or you could be forgiven. You can go to heaven. He's talking about all of the gospel of Christ, the part of that hurts, the part that makes us uncomfortable, the part that requires us to change. That's the power, and we need to declare it. And uh, certainly the church will not be strong. The church will not grow if we're not declaring the whole counsel of God. Yeah, so that's obviously a very important initial step in church growth is teach it faithfully because... If you're getting increased numbers, but they don't even know what they, they're not even informed about what the, the truth of God is, then that's not real growth. We need to get a break, and when we get back, we'll continue to talk about keys to church growth. We want your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control-F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control-F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man, and instrumental music in worship. That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the webpage can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Be a building block, not a stumbling block. Count your blessings, not your woes. Man, wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Hey, and welcome back. And thank you, Anthony, for telling folks about our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we would encourage you, if you've never been there, and probably some of the folks out there listening to this podcast have not been to our website, check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we'd like to hear from you at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. Somebody was telling me this week, Jacob, that they were searching for us. And, and when they put in virtual Bible study or the virtual Bible study, some other things came up besides us. Uh, I, I, and there are some others out there who are who's, who have a name very close to ours. So make sure you're getting 
us when you go to the virtual. We should have gotten those other domain names when we got yeah. this. But, yeah. uh, and and a, kind of a surefire way to get to us is go to collegeview.com, and then there's a then you can go to the virtual Bible study through that page. I, I, I don't think there's much confusion there because we spell College View funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E on the end, collegeview.com. Uh, and so you, you definitely get to us by going to collegeview.com and clicking on the link to the virtual Bible study. All right. During the break, uh, we realized that Monty had been uh, wanting to make some comments, and we cut you off, Monty. So go ahead. Take it away. Well, Jacob, when you think about it, Paul told Timothy to find faithful men who could be taught the truth and that would repeat that and pass that on. So Paul was teaching a process of duplication. So if we're going to be what they were, and that's New Testament Christians, then we've got to teach what they were taught and pass that on. So we've got to duplicate what they had. And if we're leaving out part of the gospel or we're perverting it and changing it somehow, then we're not going to be what they were because we're not following that pattern. We talk about patterns a lot. If we're not following that pattern and duplicating that pattern, then we're not what they were. And, you know, you think about it, Monty, what's the benefit of uh, bringing someone into the church, so to speak, if let's say they're a drunk, and I don't want to make them uncomfortable about that, so I'm going to go ahead and... We're going to go ahead and bring him into the church. Hey, the church is growing, but he's not ever changed from being a drunk. It doesn't do any good to have folks in the church that aren't what they need to be. Or, or even very practically, we just mentioned divorce and remarriage. And so if you've got somebody that's in an unscriptural marriage, by God's definition, they, they're living in an adulterous relationship, but you're afraid to teach about it for fear of offending them. So what are you going to do? You're going to let them go to hell in a good humor? You know, I, I sure wouldn't want to offend them. And so they go to but hell. But the church. So the church is big. We're yeah. full of a bunch of folks that aren't living like God wants them to live. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it great? We've got a great big church. Yeah. We don't have nothing if we're not teaching them how to be saved. But we're yeah. doing them a disservice. We, yeah. we're, we're, we're shunning to declare unto them the whole counsel of God. Yeah. The power of God unto salvation. And we're holding it back. Yeah. So we, uh, I think a, a very essential key, as we were saying, is faithful teaching. The second one I had on my list was steadfast prayer. Uh, I think if we, a growing church is going to have members that are devoted to prayer for all things, but prayer specifically for the church and for the work that it's doing. It's interesting, and in, in when the church very first began on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, one of the first things we read about those early Christians doing, Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Yep. They were busy praying. Uh, in Acts chapter 12, when Peter had been arrested and Herod intended to execute him, it says in Acts chapter 12, uh, verse 12, many were gathered together. Many of the church were gathered together praying. Uh, so as the church faces different challenges, uh, I think a growing church is going to have members that are dedicated to prayer about lots of things, but in regards to the church, the work that the church is doing, our collective efforts uh, in the kingdom. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. We're in the chat room tonight. Nothing happening there. Yeah, yeah. Some of you in the chat room, join in there. Give us your your thoughts. Certainly, uh, uh, that's probably one thing that we don't uh, focus on enough when we think about the church getting stronger. Is, is that idea of praying? It, uh, the members need to be prayerful. If if we have a ch- a sick child. That is heavily on our mind. We're going to pray about that day in and day out. That's good. That's appropriate. This ought to be at that level. This this ought to be important enough to us that we pray for the church and for the work that we're doing in, in a local congregation. Uh, 
the effective fervent the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much James chapter five verse what is that verse seventeen yeah uh, that sounds about right uh, so uh, James there says that it that it is beneficial to see that's verse sixteen James five sixteen the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much we need to be praying. Uh, Kent, in his email to us earlier today, said we should pray as needed as it relates to God's providence in our lives. So really, we pray about everything, but we we should include prayers for the church. Okay. All right. The next thing on my list was... Well, you know, Greg, when you think about prayer... Ronnie is getting ignored all night. I'll jump in. Jump. Uh, When you think about prayer, God, in various places in the Bible, it describes our prayers going up to God as a a sweet-smelling aroma to Him. Uh, And the Bible talks about various places. I listened to a sermon by Paul Smithson a while back, and it talks on on prayer. And God wants us to pray to Him. He desires to hear our prayer. And, you know, what greater honor can we have than the Creator of the universe wants to listen to what we've got to say, What wants us to ask him for things. It's not, yeah, it's not like he's sort of in a condescending way, oh, well, if you're going to pray, go ahead, I'll, I'll let you. No, he actually desires it. He wants it to happen. So, Well, and uh, he's, his, our prayers are important enough to him that the Holy Spirit's involved in our prayers. It talks about he translated things that we don't know how to say properly. He does it with utterings and groanings, I believe is the way it describes it in the Scripture. But anyhow, our prayers are important enough to God that he has the Holy Spirit fix them and basically translate them into the proper format so that God will listen to them. And uh, so our prayers are important to him, or he wouldn't have bothered to have the Spirit doing yeah. that kind of work. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, so uh, I think that's a, f- a fair point, Monty. I think that uh, just stresses the importance of prayer. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Uh, all right. So the next thing on the list, again, this is my list, and I'd be glad for anybody else to add to my list, but my list of things that we need if we're going to uh, to see the church growing the way God wants it to grow, that's not necessarily numbers. Hopefully it involves numbers, but it's definitely going to be growing spiritually. We're going to teach faithfully. We're going to pray steadfastly. We're also going to put our our emphasis on spiritual things. If you look at a, a lot of the denominations, uh they they are involved in all sorts of things that really don't even have anything to do with religion. Um, all kind of social programs, uh, all kind of recreational and fun events for the young people and so forth that have absolutely zero to do with spirituality. Uh, and and some and unfortunately, I think we see sometimes in churches of Christ that that our some of our brethren are wanting to imitate those things. It will affect numbers. But it won't affect real growth because if we take the kids to Six Flags, the kids are going to have fun at Six Flags, but they're not going to be any stronger spiritually at the end of the day than they were when they started. You're not any stronger at the top of the first roller coaster hill than they are at the bottom of the last one. That doesn't <laughs> well, change. It doesn't change your spirituality. Yep. Um, uh, go ahead. And so you, that certainly is a, a folly and a, a, a misstep by those in the religious world. I'm afraid it also can be a problem in uh, so-called conservative churches as well, that we're not focusing on the spiritual enough, and a lot of our relationship with our brethren isn't based upon spiritual, but it's based upon physical, that that we may come, we may show up to worship, but that's about the extent of it. 
that our our whole relationship was, well, we like to hunt together. We like to go shopping together. We like to do this together. But it's not a, there's not a spiritual focus. And for the church to grow and for us to to be a strength to our brethren, we need to have a, a strong spiritual foundation to our relationship. And, and it will obviously affect other things. Maybe Certainly, we, we might like to go hunting. Together. Yeah, yeah. Or we might go shopping together. We might go out to eat together. That's that. Those are all things that may materialize as well. But, but that can't be the foundation exactly. of our relationship. It has to have a spiritual foundation and and, a, and one that is mutually edifying. That we're working to build each other up spiritually. So we need we in this sense a spiritual a, a real spiritual emphasis for the church. We're going to have elders and as congregational leaders that are working in that realm. We're going to have preachers and teachers who are working in that realm. We're going to have members who are devoted to spiritual things. But you know what happens sometimes? When we the elders get involved in. Uh, the material things of the physical building, you know, what color are we going to paint the walls? When are we going to change the carpets? The preachers end up doing a lot of clerical work and social activities. Uh, they, they don't devote enough time to study and, 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 that's, and, and teaching. The members lose sight of, of spiritual things because they, they're distracted by all the things that are going on in their, in their daily life. And so we don't get the, the, the real emphasis on spiritual things at any level in the local congregation how would that go with it in a, in a school for instance here's here's a high school the principal is mowing the grass and the teachers are painting the bathroom and this and the students are playing games all day how how well you think we're going to get this education process going not well at all because the emphasis is on the wrong things. So we would want the principal and the teachers and the students all keying in on what they're there for, right. to learn reading, writing, arithmetic. Maybe our education system is failing because that emphasis isn't in the, in the schools like it should be. Churches are failing because they're not making this spiritual emphasis like they should. In the chat room tonight, Dwight comments on our previous point, uh, faithful teaching. Dwight says, we are doing no one any good if we don't preach the whole counsel of God. Alcohol, modesty, our speech, drugs, etc. need to be spoken on. These are all real issues in our lives. Exactly right. Thank you, Dwight, for that comment. Exactly right. Yes, absolutely. We're not doing anyone any service by, well, maybe they feel real comfortable while they're sitting in the pew. Maybe they feel real comfortable associated with the church while they're living in sin. Uh, Certainly we're doing them no good. Did you read uh, Kent's uh, comment there? We did. Okay, all right. You know, ultimately, if our emphasis isn't on the spiritual things, whatever physical emphasis we might be placing on, it's a temporary thing because 100 years from now, nobody's going to remember what we did in a physical way. But if our emphasis is on a spiritual thing, 100 years from now, hopefully we'll be in heaven with God. And well, hopefully, and our hopefully emphasis would have been on something that was eternal rather than just a trivial thing that ain't going to last t- long here. And if time goes on, hopefully there, there'll be people who were brought in by that process who are continuing the work of God's kingdom yeah. on earth. Yeah, I did. I actually skipped Kent's response. He said emphasis regarding things secular has nothing, has nothing to do with the concepts of evangelism and edification. When the secular is emphasized, local churches go the social gospel route. And thank you for that, Kent. All right, let's grab a break. When we come back, we'll try to pick up the speed just pick a little bit. Pick up the pace. All yeah. right, we're going to get a break. Get this week's bullet point. Get your comments during the break, and we'll be back right after this.
Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In rebuking the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said, quote, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a net, and swallow a camel. That's in Matthew chapter 23, beginning verse 23. Some have mistakenly taught that Jesus' problem with these religious hypocrites was their painstaking insistence on keeping the minute aspects of their law. Jesus, it is claimed, was instructing them and us not to worry about trying to keep the finer points of the law, but rather concentrate on the more substantial and meaningful matters of the heart. The problem, of course, with this interpretation is that it completely ignores what Jesus said. Should they have concerned themselves with something as simple as tithing their garden herbs? Yes. Quote, these ought ye to have done. But in doing this, he urged them not to neglect things that require even more effort to perfect, things like judgment, mercy, and faith, the, quote, weightier matters of the law. We think there's a fitting application of the principle that Jesus here sets forth. Consider this. From time to time, we hear of a brother or sister who is quite upset about some issue. It is often one of those, quote, finer points of the law. For instance, maybe the length of a woman's hair or how many children an elder must have or whether or not to offer the Lord's Supper on Sunday night and so forth. They will gladly debate at length in favor of their particular understanding of the matter. We have no problem with this. All such things are important. But then this same person will neglect the assemblies, fail to participate in the work of the church, exhibit moral impurity, and so forth. It seems that such folks need to attend to, quote, the weightier matters of the law. They should stop, quote, straining at a gnat while swallowing a camel. Do you see it? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ. To find out more about us, again, at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We'd especially ask you, if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, you listen to us live, listen to us in the podcast, we come and worship with us. We'd love to meet you. And we'd love to grow with you as we do look to the gospel of Christ, the power of God, and to salvation. Uh, that's what our, co- our commitment is here, and uh, we'd like for you to be a part of that. Uh, find out more again at our website, or give us a call, 877-381-4567. Uh, the next thing we had on our list uh, as things that we've got to do if we want to be a growing church, we want to see the church grow, we've got to persevere through persecution. Persecution is a definite reality for, for faithful Christians. Paul said in Second Timothy 3, verse 12, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Yes. And so, uh, what are you going to do when you... Per- By the way, I, actually, I actually got a Funk and Wagnalls dictionary definition here of definition. Listen to this. Any period of systematic oppression, infliction of torture, death, and so forth. Well, we don't do that. We don't have that. But he's, he goes on to say... Persistent petty annoyances. Oh, okay. well, we have that. Yeah, <laughs> and we get that kind of persecution, uh, and we do it. We get that as individuals. I think that we get that as a collective body of Christians working in a local congregation. So, what are we going to do? We're going to just sort of whine and moan because you know people treat us badly. They make fun of us. They don't like us. They you know they ridicule us for our faith. No, um, Jesus. Uh, uh, w- also taught us to anticipate this in 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We ought to realize that God's faithful people have always been persecuted. And if we're not being persecuted, that's probably a red flag warning that we're not being what we need to be. We're not setting out. to. We're not sort of some kind of weirdos who like to, to, to suffer, you know, uh, you know, please hit me. I like it. No, that's not us. But the reality is that we're living right. We're going to, that's going to happen. I like the way Jesus said it in John 15, verse 20. Remember the word I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. We're not any better than Jesus. There's no reason to think that if Jesus uh, couldn't avoid persecution, we could, as we try to live just like him. If they hated him, they're going to hate us. Now, uh, so what happens when, when we get persecuted as God's people? Well, we actually have a, a case study in that because the first century Christians were severely persecuted. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Saul was consenting unto Stephen's death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And so we know in the first century that when they endured that persecution, it affected church growth. And and it will for us, too. Again, maybe not numerically, hopefully numerically, but certainly in uh, spiritual growth, we'll see growth when we patiently endure persecution. Isn't that what James says in James chapter 1? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trial of your faith works patience. Yeah. Well, that patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Well, if you want the church to be perfect, it's going to have to have a little bit of uh, trial and by perfect fire. Perfect there means complete. full grown or mature. Yeah. Okay. okay real you quick. know, Paul said oh, preach the gospel be instant in season and out of season. Well, in season seems to me that's when people want to hear it and it's yeah. going along smooth. Out of season might mean when you're being persecuted. People don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear the truth. They're persecuting you over it. Well, okay, I'm still going to preach the gospel because that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Kent says uh, Christians need spiritual development and growth to make them strong. Such will help us persevere in times of persecution, Revelation 2.10. He references Revelation 2, verse 10. They were going to go through some pretty serious persecution there in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, But they were to be faithful, and certainly the church can grow in spite of persecution or maybe we could even say because of persecution their church will grow dwight in the chat room says i've been told in the past it's best not to talk to someone in sin unless you know them better we need to teach anyone who will listen regardless how how well we know them i believe i think that's right i mean if you if we're able to have a a personal relationship with someone and use that as a as a, a means of reaching them with the gospel that's good but on the other hand, I may not know a guy at all, but if I can teach him the gospel, I should. So I'm with you on that, Dwight. Thank you, Dwight, for your comments tonight. Uh, somebody keep Dwight comp- company in the chat room there with uh, some more comments. Real quickly, an, um, another point on my list of essential things, essential factors for church growth, liberal giving. We won't talk about this too much, Jay, because just last week we spent a whole virtual Bible study talking about our giving. But obviously, if we're going to... Uh, see the church grow we need to invest in its growth not just with money but certainly with money also with our time and our effort we need to be liberal 
in our giving. Uh, and, and again, we, we emphasized that pretty heavily last week on uh, our program. But if you think about the early church in Jerusalem, they were in Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, they were actually selling their property yeah. in or, and contributing the proceeds of the sales to the church so that its work could continue. I tell you, that's real generosity. That's a level of generosity that we certainly haven't even approached unto. Uh, but if the more generous we are, uh, the more work that can be done. Okay. All right. Uh, Kent says, generosity is an essential component of New Testament Christianity. Through generous giving on our part, the work of evangelism and edification proceed or spreads. He references Philippians 4, verses 15 through 17. Uh, Philippians 4:15 through 17 says it says something. That, <laughs> if you get the pages there, 4:15 through 17 uh, says that the uh, Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I uh, departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sit once again into my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And so this giving was uh, so they, the church at Philippi was helping Paul be able to preach the gospel in other places. Now that church benefited from it. It's, yeah, you know, a lot of folks, and that was fruit to their account. He said a lot of folks are hesitant. To, well, why, why, why aren't we spending money here? When it, why are we sending money somewhere else? Well, there's fruit to be born here and there, and they were certainly bearing that fruit. Yeah. And then finally, on my list, I had purity of living. If we're going to see the church grow, we got to, all members of the church have to live pure moral lives if we're going to see the church grow. Um, Jesus said we're to let our light shine uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. People have got to see us living pure moral lives. It will bring them to a point where they'll perhaps want to do the same and glorify God. But if we're being hypocrites, there's no worse thing that we could do is to preach one thing but live a different one. The people of the world around us see us. They know that. Uh, constantly, whenever surveys are made about what people find as a turnoff about religion is hypocrites in the church. And and if we're contributing to that, if we're being hypocritical, if people see that we're not living what we claim, we're, we're not going to grow. We're, first of all, we're, we're going to be alienated personally from God through our hypocritical sin. But secondly, the church is not going to grow if it's got members who are living a bad reputation in the world. And along those lines, Kent says faithful living is essentially linked to faithful preaching and teaching. And he references Ephesians 5, verse 11 through 17. I did a little trick there. I, I got there before I read his comment. Ephesians 5, verse 11 through 17, and have no fa- and have fellowship, no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, and whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Thank you for that. Kent, we've got to have we living pure lives. Money. You know, as we think about purity and living, people are going to imitate us. You know, a good example of that is our children. Our, as we see things that we do in our life, we can see things that our parents did, and we've imitated them. Our children imitate us in the things we do. There's going to be other people come into the church that's going to 
for whatever reason, uh, pattern their life after us. The Bible talks about doing that kind of thing. If we're not living a pure life and they don't know any better, what we're actually teaching them to do is to live in a lost state. And they're not going to know any better. So we've got to be living a pure life. So if they imitate us, they're going to be imitate. Paul talked about imitating him even as he was imitating Christ because he was following Christ. Exactly. So we have a command, in effect, to live that pure life so that people can pattern their self after us because we're patterning our life after Christ. Okay, good. All right. Dwight in the chat room uh, says that, uh, he says, pure living or teaching others also comes through our actions and how we live our lives. Agree. Thank you for that, Dwight. All right, let's take our last break, and when we come back, we've got a race to the top of the hour. I think I, I found in the Book of Acts nine instances where it mentions uh, actually grow the church growing, uh, and uh, so we want to look. We'll have to go fast, but we want to look at those contexts real quick to see what what is in the context right around each of those statements where it mentions the church growing. We'll get your comments on the other side. We're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but he's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A team led by Gene Twigg, author and psychology professor at San Diego State University, studied books published between 1950 and 2008, looking for uses of seven especially crude swear words. Overall, they found that writers were, quote, significantly more likely to use each of the seven swear words in the years since 1950, with books published in 2008 being 28 times more likely to include swear words than books published in the early 1950s. That information is via The Guardian. The Word of God says in Matthew 12, beginning verse 34, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. All right, we're back going to the top of the hour, talking about church growth. You know, I think we could probably summarize it this way, or at least include this as we talk about critical factors to church growth. If the church is going to grow, plain and simple, I've got to grow. Yeah. I, I can affect that. I can make. I can. I can help the church grow right now by living as I should. If I'm a growing studying Christian, my Bible, the church will get stronger. If I'm a growing Christian, the church is growing. Yeah, you know, think about it just on a physical terms. If the three of us, uh, uh, we want our our group to be healthier. Well, I can make our group healthier just by me doing something. You guys can keep knocking down donuts every day. But if I get healthier, then the church, the, the, the average, group, is, the average anyway. is healthier. Yeah. Same with our, with the church. If I'm getting spiritually stronger, the church will be spiritually stronger. And likely as Dwight alludes to here, if others see me growing, uh, they'll be encouraged to grow as well. And I can encourage them to grow. So 
if you want the church to grow, get busy yourself. Good point. Good okay. point. All right, I got nine places. I'm going to go through this real quick. I got nine places. I think I got them all the places in the book of Acts where we actually see numerical growth taking place in the church. And I thought it was kind of interesting what was in the context of each of those statements. The first one is very early in the history of the church, Acts 2.41, the very first day, day of Pentecost, they were added unto them 3,000 souls. So there's a number, 3,000, the very first day of the gospel. Well, what was it? The context was convincing, compelling preaching. Peter had preached hard. God made that same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. He made them uncomfortable. That was not a comfortable sermon. Pricked them in the heart. That's right. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart, it says. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. So, again, uh, we're we're really selling out our birthright if we water down the gospel. Amen. Uh, we've got to preach the, all the counsel of God, and, and and it will bring growth as God wants. Right. Okay. Still in chapter 2, verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily, such as were being saved. So they were not, it wasn't just the first day, it was every day. They were The numbers were growing. But we, we looked at this verse earlier. Verse 42 there in Acts 2 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking bread and in prayers. So their their faithfulness, their steadfast endurance and continuing in the things of the Lord uh, was paying off. The right. Lord was adding to the church daily, such as we're being saved. So in chapter 2, there's two em- emphasis there on numerical growth in the early church. Chapter 4, verse 4, the number of the men was about 5,000. Now, chapter 4 is not very long at, uh, in, in time, in actual uh, uh uh, elap- uh, time elapsing there between chapter 2 and verse 4 is just within days. They'd gone from 3,000 to 5,000. What, what have you heard about a church today that in just a matter of a few weeks went from, an, from a membership of 3,000? Now they got 5,000. Well, they'd be big at 3,000. Now they're really big. They got 5,000. What? Well, uh, the thing mentioned in, the, in reference to that immediately a couple verses before in chapter 4, verse 2, they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And so they emphasized Jesus' resurrection and our opportunity to, to participate in his resurrection or to, to likewise be resurrected. Uh, preaching the resurrection, I would think that that would certainly involve the evidences of Jesus' own resurrection. Right. So an emphasis on proof, testimony. Yes. Um, then skipping to chapter 5, verse 14, the num- the more were added to the Lord, it says in chapter 5, verse 14. A couple of verses just before that, it says, by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. So there, the, the, the miracles were serving as proof that what they were teaching was true, and, it was, and those miracles were convincing people, and they were being converted. We can't work miracles today. But we can still go back to that proof and demonstrate the the truthfulness of the revelation of God. Proved by the miracles. One of the proofs is the miracles that were performed, confirming the word. John chapter uh, 20 tells us we don't need yeah. to see the miracles. We've got them recorded, so we yeah. can have the same power there. Yeah. So uh, uh, I think Mark chapter 16, verse, uh, what is it, verse 20, that the Lord confirmed the word with the signs which followed. Yep. Uh, yeah, Mark sixteen twenty. The word so has been confirmed. The word is confirmed. We we can call upon that as proof for what we're teaching. Growth follows. 
Next reference in Acts, Acts chapter 6, verse 1, the number of the disciples was multiplied. What's the verse right before that, which is the last verse of the previous chapter, chapter 5, verse 42, says, Daily in the temple and every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And the number of the disciples was multiplied. Daily teaching, constant work. They they weren't they weren't hot and cold. They were on it all the time, and they were pursuing the teaching of God's truth aggressively and spreading that truth uh, on a daily basis. Uh, would it be fair to say, if someone says, "Why aren't we growing as much as they were?" Well, we're probably not working as hard as they were. We're not teaching as much as they were teaching. So we that would certainly be a point of emphasis. Okay, chapter six, verse seven. The number of the disciples was multiplied. So again, a reference to numerical growth. The number of the disciples was multiplied. Chapter 6, verse 7. What had happened just before that? Well, I won't take time to read all of it, but you may remember that there was sort of a controversy. Uh, Some of the widows, it was believed, were being neglected. So the apostles got right on that. They recommended a solution. The members agreed and cooperated with the solution that the leaders presented to them. So you see good leadership, you see cooperative membership. I'll tell you, if we got that in a local church, we we got we're a long way toward growing mm-hmm. like we should. Mm-hmm. So good leadership, cooperative members would certainly be instrumental. Uh, the next reference I see is in chapter nine, verse thirty-one. The churches were multiplied. But interestingly, what's in that same verse, it says, Then the churches had rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So uh, we talked about enduring persecution, and they had. But also when there was a period of peace, it affected their growth. I think this is a real lesson for us in local congregations because sometimes I think we've got church members who don't seem to value peace in the local congregation. Right. But uh, when there's not peace, it's harder to grow. When there is peace, it can affect and produce growth. You talked about persecution. They were going to persecution. That's external, external friction. Yeah. That's that can be positive, but internal friction is never positive. positive. Yeah. Exactly right. Okay. Uh, then the next place I see in Acts where they were growing, chapter 11, verse 24, much people was added to the Lord. Again, that's a reference to numbers. What was what was in that context? It says, they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And then it says much people was added to the Lord. So uh, exhortation teaching, encouragement of those who are already Christians uh, is essential to church growth. And then I see one more place in Acts where numerical growth in the church is mentioned. Acts 16, verse 5. In Acts 16, verse 5, the churches increased in number daily. It actually says in number. They were growing in number. But in that same verse, it looks like they had to deal with some issues. Uh, as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep, which were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number. There had been a problem. 
that led to the meeting in Acts 15 where Paul and Barnabas went up uh, to Jerusalem because there had been false teaching coming out of Jerusalem. And they went up there. There was there, It wasn't a, a like a denominational convention, but they went to Jerusalem uh, to discuss the matter. The Holy Spirit was among them and revealed how to deal with it. They dealt with it. They dealt with it the way it was ordained by God that it should be dealt with. And when they had dealt with those problems, then the churches took off again. So there was a problem. They didn't, they didn't sweep it under the rug. They didn't dodge it. They didn't just ignore it. They dealt with the problem and then the church grew. And that's a, that's a, there's a lesson in that for us too. We're going to have church problems. You deal with them. You deal with them scripturally. The church will prosper when we do that. All right. Monty, any comments on that? Well, it just shows that the, there was numerical growth, but I think the implication in each one of these passages was that these people were growing spiritually. It was spiritual growth that resulted in the numerical growth, not numerical growth that we hope someday to turn into spiritual growth. Exactly. All right. Ken, get, get it in the right order. We may not have time to cover all of Kent's comments, but maybe that first one, Jacob. Yeah, from Acts 2, where Peter preached that gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost, Uh, Kent says the gospel of Christ was fully preached and gladly received and obeyed. Scriptural church growth is contingent upon numerous factors. Preaching must be apostolic, doctrinal, and precise. Such must be pointed and plain. Such must be balanced. Such must aggressively defend truth to be Christological and God-approved. And then he says a little later in his statement, he says, When the gospel is faithfully presented and Christians live their lives as proper examples, we will accomplish our responsibility in evangelizing the lost. When lost people seek the truth and have a willingness to accept and obey such, we will see scriptural church growth on a daily basis. Just as Christians have been respons- just just as Christians have the responsibility to present and defend truth, the non Christian has the responsibility to search for truth, learn it and obey it. We gotta put it out there, but I think I think Kent's point there is a good one. we're not responsible for the response of of the lost when they hear the gospel, we're responsible to sow the seed. Absolutely. All right. Well, good discussion tonight. Certainly we want the church to grow, and I think there's some good things here we can learn about how to make it grow. Yeah, and and really that, I think that's kind of an interesting study. We went through it kind of fast, but I encourage maybe our listeners to to spend some time meditating upon those nine places in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is history, obviously. It's church history. It's what happened among the early Christians in the first century. We see them growing. We see them growing rapidly, numerically growing rapidly. But we see them doing it the right way, and we can imitate that. And the church where you are, wherever you are, needs you to help it grow by demanding faithful teaching, by being steadfast in prayer, uh, by having a spiritual emphasis in your life and in the lives of others, perseverance in persecution in your life, liberal giving, and being pure in your living, those are things that I can impact immediately, wherever yeah. I may be. And and so uh, I'm a member of a congregation that just doesn't seem to be growing. Yeah, it's sort of dead. I can change. I can personally change some of that. Yeah. I, can, I can't do it for everybody. I can do it for myself. Yep. And the church will be stronger. Yeah. The church will grow yeah. if I'll get busy. Yeah. All right. Don't wait on others. Get busy today. All right, Dad. Thanks for a good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Monty, thanks for helping us tonight. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you for being here. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.